You're listening to the Adventurous Weirdos Podcast by WatcherDM. Learn more at WatcherDM.com or come join our Patreon at Patreon.com slash WatcherDM. Stay weird. Hi, Austin. Hi, Gabriel. Uh, hi, listener. Hi, listener. Uh, I'm Gabriel Hernandez. I'm Austin Holm. And this is the Adventurous Weirdos Podcast, mm-hmm. where Watcher DM and Quest Giver Games. Although we never go by Quest Giver Games, I feel like we should. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's start. Let's start branding stuff. Quest Giver Games, and just be like, yeah, we we might know those Watcher DM guys. I don't know. All right. We've been in the same room once. Sure. Then yeah. we'll be two TTRPG publishers <laughs> instead <laughs> of one. one. Our yeah. powers will grow twice. Well. People will be like, "Oh, you've got allies in the field." Oh, I yeah. See, your numbers, <laughs> your numbers are swelling. It's a good time to have allies. It turns out there is swelling. Oh, Jesus. Um, what are we talking about today? So, there was a bit of spice. A bit of spice on the Twitter that you told me about on the yeah, X. The X. <laughs> I think we should dead name Twitter. Elon Musk is, uh, if anybody deserves it. It, it, I mean, they're still called tweets. I don't know. What do you fucking call them? X's? An X? I already have too many of those. I don't I, want to say my X. I X'd. My, I, I X'd my X. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I, Brutal. I feel like uh, Twitter's great flame, claim to fame for me was uh, when Penny Arcade introduced the term Twitter shitter. Uh, <laughs> and it doesn't work with X. You can't be, can't be an X shitter. That's That's, you're dead. If you're an X shitter, you're dead. You be a triple Xer. There you go. Um... <laughs> So anyway, so the, the controversy, the big uh, conversation on Twitter the other day... The discourse of the week. ...was about advancement... Yes. ...and progression, character, namely character progression, I yes. think. Yes, yeah. And, uh, uh, like, I, I, I don't... I kind of know third-hand. I was not in the, in the fray yeah, okay. when the melee was going on. Yeah, it... Um, Give me the blow-by-blow. Blow. What was your perception of that? My level? perception of things... Well, my perception of things was that somebody posted milestone leveling is uh, the best way to do character advancement. Fight. Uh, you'll be shocked to know people fought him. <laughs> uh, Surprised anybody was listening, to yeah. be honest. Like. And at that point, I was not particularly paying very close attention. Uh, but I guess after about a day of that, Luke Gearing of uh, Acid Death Fantasy fame, or Fever Swamp fame. Recently brought on to the Mothership crew. The people who did Mothership uh, oh, really? 1E have hired Luke Gearing on as their writer, as a, as a full-time writer for their company. Nice. He's, I like his style for that. They yeah. uh, they seem very excited in their update. That's they, cool. I got the update for the uh, Mothership 1E uh, Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. And they were talking about bringing Luke on and uh, I thought, I thought good of it. I thought yeah. it was going to be a good look. Anyway. We like it. Luke Gearing once said something nice about something I wrote in a private message, so I'm a fan of his forever now. Uh, <laughs> By the way, this is yeah. how you get Austin Holmes as a fan. Yeah. But don't bet on that too much. He's basically broke. I'm so. capricious. Um, <laughs> Being a fan doesn't mean he'll buy your stuff. No. I, I came really close to spending a couple bucks on a soft cover. I'm still mulling it over. It's a big... A $5 soft cover in my house is a big expense, so I'm... I like. I found something I really like, and I'm like, I gotta think on this for five days before I'm ready to hit push. But, uh, but yeah. So Luke Gearing posted a blog post. This was in 2021. The blog post was from March 21, like 2021. Against incentive. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was from the other day. No, no, no. So oh. I think what happened was he he threw in probably oh, that I and then and then somebody was like, yeah. this is what Luke Gearing says about it, and then but it was from. 
two years ago. That's really interesting. Yeah, uh, so the the article, if you haven't read it, uh, do. It's great. Uh, Thought-provoking, if nothing else. But he basically argues that the entire scheme of handing out XP or character advancement or incentivizing players to act in certain ways is counterproductive to his paradigm of, uh, of play. Um, well, I, I don't think that he says it's to his paradigm of play. I think he says... To play. To play, yeah. So, he, no, 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 first of all, the th- most important thing you should take away from this is that nobody in the RPG space, uh, as a creator, has any empathy or perspective. <laughs> they are just <laughs> fucked. Everybody thinks they're right entirely and that every other asshole is wrong. Yeah. And should pay for being wrong. Yeah. That seems to be. Well, that was the end state of, of the Twitter debacle. It's like, I kind of, you know, you log back in after a couple of days of it, and all of a sudden, you know, if you like milestone leveling, you're basically a Stalinist. Uh, you know, if you are into gold as XP, you are a violent, murderous sociopath. You know, uh, apparently, um, you know, there was some talk that against incentive was indicative of a fascist, uh, you know, um, kind of authoritarian right-wing mindset. Um, so that's... You're going to have to walk me down that path. How did you go from there should be no incentives to fascist authoritarianism? Uh, yeah, so I think it started, I think one of it was the rhetorical stance, that it was a, you know, this is the correct way to play, and people were like, you're a fucking fun cop, like, shame but on everybody you. But every, literally every person in that conversation did that. It's a rhetorical thing, I think. I think we've all kind of come, like, modern rhetoric is at a state where it's like, if you couch a thing, it any kind of nuance you're not going to land that kind of like algorithm thing like that kind of provocative like broad statement thing is intrinsic to the way we talk to each other these days and it's kind of shitty and awful we're not talking to each other we're talking to the algorithm yeah and and hoping to use it to get human ears yeah but there aren't like if you literally are required to say provocative you know, insulting things to get people's attention. Yeah. Then you haven't, and you have managed to not say what you meant to say. Mm-hmm. You have only gotten attention. Yeah. That's, that's possibly the worst possible realization way. I could have had. <laughs> you are. <right. laughs> uh, yeah. No. As a, as a developer of software who is at least partially <laughs> responsible for the fucking condition of this shit. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The ick, the ick factor is high. Now, our communication infrastructure is, um, on one hand, better than it's ever been, and also worse. <laughs> um, it's really... I, I'll really go back to what I said last last yeah. week, which is just, like, we were not... We, for... we are not ready for this. We yeah. never were evolved enough to handle this kind of crap. Instantaneous global communication. Yeah. Like, everybody's worried about AI. Yeah. And I'm like... You're worried about the wrong thing. We already lost the war. The, the fucking yeah. robots have taken over yeah. in that we can't do anything. They control the financial system. Kowtowing to <laughs> the the needs of the algorithm yeah. to get our expressions out. That's absurd. Okay. So okay. So uh, <laughs> insane hyperbole aside. Yes. Uh we're gonna, we're going to talk a little nuance. We're going to talk about actual progression yeah. and actual advancement with 
some fucking lenses that aren't completely warped to shit. Yeah, you don't want to call people uh, Peronist uh, helicopter Nazis? Oh, no, every single one of them. Oh, yeah. Every single one of them, by definition of them shouting through the megaphone that requires them to wear that (laughs) costume. Like, sorry, guys. Take off the makeup. Join us in the green room. It's fine. (laughs) We can have a a conversation as humans, but not not there. Not on Twitter. No, certainly not. And I think that's... Whatever. Like, yeah. whatever to all of that. If, you, if you're willing to engage in that, and you want to have fun engaging in that, can we all embrace the idea that it is performative yeah. and completely entertainment-based? PvP, turn-based combat, right. performed for a crowd. It's a makara. Yeah. This is the ultimate internet makara. Now, to, for, for actual advancement, for actual... And, and I think for actual incentives, I have opinions about Gearing's... It, like implications yeah. in his post that I don't necessarily disagree with. Like I actually really enjoy, I think Troika is a good example yeah. of a, an advancement system that does not contain incentives. Yeah. Uh, but also I think Troika is a, it, the way it's designed, the rules as written is wrong <laughs> for advancement. Yeah. Uh, and I tweaked that in our actual play yeah. for, with the house rule. So for those who do not know, in Troika, at the end of a session or when you take a rest, your characters can roll. You have to, I think it would be in a safe place and you rest. And uh, everybody gets three rolls and you have to have marked skills that you successfully used during that time period. If you succeed, you get a check. Right. And then you can roll against... You have to roll over them on a 2d6. So roll over your skill. Plus your advanced skill. Is it? It's both? Yeah. Okay. So you you take the ranking plus your skill attribute, you add them together, and you have to roll over that on 2d6. Mm -hmm. So what this means, I think... Are you sure it's over the full amount? Because then you can't get anything over... Like, if you've got a 7 skill, you can't have anything over a rank 5. Uh, yeah, so exactly. But the, the way okay. it works is if you get to like a total of 12 on a skill in Troika and you want to level it up again, you have to roll double 6. Double six. Okay, alright. Um, so, anyway, so this is the rule. This is how it, it's set up. Yeah. Um, and the tweak that I made... So the, the reason I don't like that is it enforces, basically, it's, it, it ensures that you are never, you're very unlikely to improve skills that you have only just picked up. And it makes it easier, in fact, it makes it only possible to improve skills that you're already kind of good at. Like, um, and this, in my opinion, is not at all how actual real-life skills work. Like, improving things is usually easier when you know less about them yeah. because you can make greater gains mm-hmm. at the initial stage of learning something. Friendly part of the bell curve. And you kind of learn by failing, mm-hmm. not really by succeeding. By succeeding, you tend to become complacent in your ability to succeed. <laughs> and so my tweak is instead of checkmarking skills that you tried and succeeded, it is tech checkmark skills that you have tried and failed. Yeah. And then at the end of the session, you can roll three against three of those. So I just read Pariah. Uh, the other night. Have you seen this? No idea what you're talking about. Amazing. Just, I mean, like, uh, rough. Like, there are some unfinished spots in it. I, I read the art-free version. I don't know if the main version's any better. Like, definitely not a finished product, I don't think, at this point. At least the version I read. 
but fantastic. But what right. is Pariah? Pariah is a it is a psychedelic Neolithic hunter gatherer RPG. Ah, cool. Um, yeah, so uh, shockingly, I like it. Um, but uh, but their advancement system is really interesting. It's when you roll like a skill check, like say you're like I'm gonna try I'm gonna try and wrestle the mammoth, right? Yeah. So you've got uh, like if I'm an unskilled wrestler with ten strength, I have ten strength. I roll a d6 because I'm unskilled. I add that to my ten. I have a six. I have six like an eleven to sixteen on my skill check. If you have 18 strength and you're skilled, then you're rolling a d8 plus 18. Uh, and the idea is on that, you know, d8 or d6 or whatever, if you roll the max, you get an x, and when you get three x's, you level up. Or if you roll a one, you can take a critical failure uh, in, and, like, you, the player, describe the consequences of your critical failure, and that can give you an x as well. Um, That's cool. That, I thought that was really neat because it kind of gives you... I mean, the, the one is a critical failure thing. Uh, I think we've talked about this in the past. You know, it, it can disincentivize, like, in third edition, like, if you were a 20th level fighter and you had five attacks a turn, that's really just five chances to roll a one when you get right down to it. So why is a 20th level fighter dropping his sword more often than a first level fighter, right? Um, so it's probably why I've always hated fumble tables. Yeah, right. Because I just like whatever. Like I, I did, I did them for like twenty years. Yeah, and then finally was like, why am I punishing? <laughs> yeah, stupid. Like, but it's it's cool to be like you roll the one. You the player have a choice of right. whether because it it is always kind of you me roll one. You're like ah, I got a natural one. Like, and it's so it's fun to be like oh, like does anything happen? Like you want to take an X for that? Like oh yeah, I I break my bone knife. Like okay, well you get a little. Yeah. You know, for taking that hit as a player, you get a little advancement check. That is cool. Yeah. That sounds really cool. It's a wild system. I mean, yeah. Uh, we'll have to try it. Yeah. Well, it is It is so good that I'm thinking about spending about $6 on it. So that's the highest praise I can give anything. But maybe maybe Watcher DM can just make the purchase for you and consider it R&D. Yeah, maybe. Um, um, anyway. But, uh, but, yeah. So, okay. So, now, these these are, I think, niche Systems. S- systems Let's with very different approaches to advancement. Now, let's reel it back and go, okay, what is what is the majority of people playing? Yeah. Right? And so you've got a couple of things out there. So I think you've kind of got like two tracks, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. in, in the RPG space right now. You've got Powered by the Apocalypse and most of the things that kind of have come from it. And then you've got D&D and most of the things that have kind of come from it. Yeah. There's probably some crossover and there's probably some outliers. But I think if I had to ring most games into a couple of pipes, it would be D&D type things and PBTA type things. Probably. D&D type things, I feel like, have very clear incentive structures mm-hmm. that are very much video game Yeah. They're designed as war games. Yeah. Or they come from war games. And so the objectives are improve the unit until the unit is so powerful that it can win any any war, any yeah. combat. Um, Power by the Apocalypse, on the other hand, seems to have more narrative-focused advancement mm-hmm. structures, which isn't to say that it doesn't have, like, motivations built in, right? It's got incentives, but I think that those incentives are more flexible to the wishes of the player and what the player and the DM collaboratively are trying to do with the story. Interesting. But what's your take? 
Well, yeah. So, I've been, I've been thinking a little bit about this. We don't really prepare these uh, episodes. These are just casual conversations. So, bear with me. Uh, but We're going to ramble. We're going to ramble a little bit today. I think if I had to, I would broadly cut advancement up into, I think, four categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, like the character self-help growth kind of like, you know... I swung my sword 50 times, and now I swing it just 5% harder type of, like, XP, character advancement levels. Um, but you also have, like, you know, there's, you know, equipment advancement. There is, sure. I have a treasure, and now I can do this. Or I have 10,000 gold, and now I can start my orphanage. Um, there's also kind of in-world advancement, which is, like, you know, you have a title now, or... Um, in Pixels and Pagans, I feel like it was often you've bought enough credibility to stop the manhunt for you for a couple of weeks. You can focus on other shit while your enemies find a new way to get God, away. is that how it felt? Jeez, um, that, okay. I guess I did a better job on that than I thought. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and then I think kind of the fourth layer of that is the knowledge advancement, which is my favorite. It's... Uh, I played, I believe it's called Outer Wilds, mm-hmm. uh, a while ago. Seminal, incredible, amazing. Uh, probably the best game I've played in years, and I played Disco Elysium last year. Um, it's an entire game based around the idea that, you know, every puzzle is solvable from the beginning, but kind of by solving each puzzle, you're learning the things to help you get the next one. And I like that in D&D. I feel like I've tried to aim for that in Barhack. I don't have not been extremely successful uh, but uh, but it's a good thing to aim for, I think, and I like the idea that, you know, as you learn the game world, um, you are becoming stronger for it, even if you're not advancing in a character way. If you know, for example, that, uh, you know, such and such a monster is allergic to oranges, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can use that against them, and yeah. it'll be more effective than just practicing your swordplay. Um Knowledge about the world or understanding understanding of the world as yeah. an advancement strategy. That's interesting. I feel like that's, that's kind of the highest, like, because you, you've said to me a lot about, like, the light bulb moment, like, when we were playing Quest Crawl, mm-hmm. that kind of that early light bulb moment where you're like, oh, a compass is not optional. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's kind that's of... That's a painful lesson to learn. That is like. a painful <laughs> lesson to learn. I think everybody... But there's other ones that are like, oh, like, uh, we should loop yeah. through the monster and, like if, if there's a 2-3 near each other yeah. you're like I want to go from the good lands back to the critter back to the good lands a couple of times yeah. to build up resources and treasure enough yeah. to go back for equipment and once you figure out those little tricks it's it's a it's a better feeling than having leveled up because it's not the character leveling up it's you the player leveling up yeah. which I think is very exciting it is exciting I think the, the limitations to that are tend to be that a system can only offer so many of those yeah Whereas a world, as as soon as it becomes obvious that there's going to be more of that, it almost seems like the GM is, like, gaming it. Hmm. Like, they have to keep creating kind of insane things. things to, like, propose that are like, oh, now this thing, like, is this, you know, it's weirder than it really should be on its face because it needs to service this little, uh, this little hook of advancement. Not to say that, that that happens. I think most GMs do not do enough of that. I think like the, I think the classic D and D example of this is trolls. Trolls. Spoiler alert for trolls. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but trolls are vulnerable to fire and acid. 
don't tell your players. <laughs> but actually, here's a here's an even more fun one. I don't know if you like. I, we actually dealt with this yesterday. I played uh, Blue Home. Yeah. And uh, we went up against an OSC um, clay golem. Oh, interesting. And the clay golem in OSC doesn't have the acid uh, absorption. Okay. That I know of. I didn't. I didn't double check, but like, I didn't try acid. I was like, sure. I, I think I remember thinking about Clay Golems having acid thing. Don't meta game. Be cool. But uh, fire okay. didn't work. Okay. And ice didn't work. So, like, fire and ice were kind of off the table. And because fire didn't work, I was like, don't use lightning. Like, I'm probably not lightning. Like, you have mi magic missiles. Just use magic missile. You know, and we all have magic weapons. We beat the, beat the crap out of the thing. But, like, there was definitely a moment. Like, the wizard came up straight away. Like, fireball! And this thing is just like, you know, glistening with glazed, you know, yeah. it, has, it has gone through the kill and is like yeah. tougher now. So yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting, but yeah, those, those moments of kind of understanding what the nuances are of a monster within a new system was, is also kind of its own little yes. bit like that. 100%. I got to do a manticore last night and a carrion well, cave crawler, I think they call them in whatever to the blue hole mm -hmm. and then uh and then yeah the clay golem and yeah it was an awesome awesome game last night thanks tess great game <laughs> that's excellent yeah um well let me ask you this um how what is the highest level character you've ever played so i have gotten a character to level 16 before wow what edition was that this was second edition okay yeah um cleric no, 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 Bladesinger. Okay. Yeah, the Elven Bladesinger in second edition was fucking broken as shit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so uh, it's second second highest level character was a level twelve uh, Drow Necromancer. Nice. Yeah. Um. How about you? Well, in my high school game, I I ran a game when I was in like grade eight, nine, kind of twelve to. 14-ish, um, and uh, when I had gotten my characters to level 20, the uh, Epic Level Handbook came out, and my friend Brock was like, I want to DM. So I, I rolled up a level 20 wizard and uh, took him all the way to 32. So uh, I think playing fairly and by legit rules... My highest is probably Alhazred at 13. And, oh, wow, cool. Yeah. I mean, but of course, we've played a, higher level characters. This is actually one of the things about being a DM. Is you don't is get to... Sometimes, yeah, as the forever DM, your opportunities to level a character tend to be pretty limited. I think the off the like side effect of that, too, is it's many times I'm surprised yeah. by what players can do at high levels. Like, when yeah. you know when they come to the table with a character, you go, oh, we've all gotten to level 13. I don't have time to go through everybody's character with real job and stuff, you know, yeah. like go through everybody's character sheets and learn everything that they can do. Kind of insane. Uh, and so, yeah, like, with, you know, almost every time somebody does something, I'm like, all right, read it to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, so how does this work? Uh, it's a big surprise in that sometimes. Well, it's interesting. So when I was playing my, my high school, my early high school game, um, and again, I was 12, so. Uh, but uh, we were kind of doing milestone a little bit. Um, sure. Like most twelve-year-old types of communists, <laughs> but uh, but the way we played was basically we were just like, oh, like XP. That's just extra math. I don't want to deal with that. The way we're going to do this is you start at first level, 
I'm going to play until I get bored of using the monsters that I feel good sending you up against at first level. Right. And then when we need new monsters, you can be second level, and then we'll go through the CR2s, and then, you know, and kind of do it that way. Right. Um, which, at the early levels, kind of in opposition to the way most XP games go, where, you know, your early levels pass like that, and the later ones take forever. Um... You know, when you play Milestone that way, where you're kind of just, like, running it by content almost, the early levels take a long time because there's so much stuff to play against. And then you get to the high levels, and you're like, okay, well, CR16, I've got, like, this many monsters, so it's going to be a week. Like, we were playing every day. It was awesome. Um, But, yeah, it's interesting, that experience versus Pixels and Pagans with um doing xp it's not entirely by the book i mean at the end of every session we do hand out a little bit extra for good role playing and camaraderie and And which uh, absolutely against what luke was talking about yeah right um anyway go ahead but uh i do want to talk about that i think that's an interesting yeah um and there's a lot of ways to do that. I mean, just the other day when we were uh, setting up our new Black Marsh campaign, we were kind of discussing the various shapes that those kinds of like post-game XPs can take. Barhack, of course, we did the um, uh, player log as uh, as a kind of you know you get plus fifty percent XP if you write a little uh, right generate play. an artifact if you generate some yeah. art. Uh, write something about it. A little play report, either an image or a sentence or two or whatever, you get a little boost that way. Yeah. Um, that was kind of recommended by the um, Ars Ludica guy who invented, invented, popularized the West Marches format. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of saying that the way, if you're running multiple groups, generating those play reports is really important to kind of like keep everybody in the same yeah. world. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because. And communalizing playing. the information too, right? So getting it, yeah. getting everybody to know, like, oh, there's a thing over there that they weren't able to take out. Like, yeah, you know, map you sharing, know. I think, is especially important. But to just kind of go back a little bit, um, using the XP almost by the book. It's mm-hmm. almost by the book fifth edition XP advancement structure in Pixels and Pagans. Um, so satisfying to to get a character. To the silly levels, which I think we can. We've achieved thirteen. That's we've achieved good. the silly levels. People are a little ways to go. But... People are casually dying at this point, and we're just <laughs> like, eh, like you know, that's fine. We can fix it. Um, like right. I think poor Jack. Uh, I'm blanking on his character's name. Kier. Kier, yeah, Dusty and Kier, the faceless, the faceless man. Ugh. Um, I think he's died at least. Twice. At least twice, yeah. Well, the first time well, was a reincarnate. Yeah. The second time was a resurrection. Yeah. And then, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think you some... might have killed him the third time. I Very possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know. Just getting unlucky. I, I may, maybe it's that they're in the wrong spot at the wrong time. But... Yeah. I, I think he's playing a more fragile character build than he realizes, maybe. But, yeah, but it's fine. I mean, you know, we're 13th level characters. We have Revivify, we have Resurrection, we have Rings of Soul Storing, we have we have a million ways not to die in the West. Like, right. Uh, and, and that's a feature of 5e. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think it's a... Yeah, I don't think it's a bad feature, right? It's, it's by design because 5e, it kind of takes a lot to make a character. Yeah. And the characters are kind of cool. You yeah. want you want them to stick around. And you want the, to enjoy the storytelling opportunities of the character, versus something like Shadow Dark, where 
characters are basically equipment. Yeah. You want the advancement through the story or, or you know, the world, the exploration of the world. And equipment. Get, yeah, kind of get the stuff you can. But it's you're not worried about, like, your character dying. And this was an interesting thing that Mike Shea talked about the other day on, uh, on Sly Flourish was in his game, he has started experiencing players doing things with their characters. Death that, wishing. Death wishing. Yeah, absolutely. Talking back to a dragon. Yeah. You know, uh, showing a reverence <laughs> in a situation that's ridiculous for you to show a reverence in. Yeah. Like, in the, he kind of pinned it to they don't really care about their characters. Like, the characters are really fast to generate. They're fungible. They, yeah, they're totally fungible. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that was an interesting insight uh, about that type of game. It's weird because I, I'm playing something that's just, you know, just as deadly. I think Blue Home is, is pretty deadly. It's an mm-hmm. OSR. Um, and I've had a character die. I did not play it that way. I was uh, I was pissed off when my character died. I was actually yeah. upset at the player who kind of I, I considered responsible. Uh, um, what it, was, uh, of course, I forgave. Like I, I came yeah. to my senses, but no, of course, I think there is always. I remember when I lost that we were playing OSC with um, God, what was his name? Ben. Ben. Well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. G- we were playing with uh, GFC. GFC. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. that was such a good game. Yeah, it had its moments. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I lost my wizard on that one. I lost a wizard as well. Yeah. And I remember I was kind of like, this is the first time I've lost a character in a while, and I'm always one who's like, you know, well, you know, I love it when a character dies, and I just was kind of like, man, like really wanted to get a second level spell with that guy. <laughs> Why the fuck did I stand in front of that cave entrance like a dumbass? That was me. Was that you? Yeah, I was in front of... Because it was the um, the big... How did I die? You didn't. He I... knocked me straight off my shoes and killed me. That was my wizard. I Wasn't that's it? my wizard. I don't know. Let's... Well, let's... Because I with... taunted him. I was like, maybe you taunted him. We shared a character. But oh, we shared together. a character, yeah. We might be the same person. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've never seen us in the same room at the same time. What's happening? What is this? Uh, uh, the first rule of Watcher DM is don't talk about Watcher DM. <laughs> uh, no, please talk about um, We could use the help. Um, but I think one of the things with Shadow Dark yeah. that's interesting is that it uses kind of randomized advancement yep. where when you get to the level you roll on a little table for your class and it tells you what your boon is so you're never building a character you're never planning how you're going to spend your next level it's just kind of coming up randomly and i think it's interesting too because that kind of randomized advancement the only two places that i've really seen it mm-hmm. and this could be my ignorance but the only two places i've really seen it are in kelsey dion's shadow dark and the work of zach smith uh which Hard to imagine two, two more, more different, different people. <laughs> yeah, like, um, at least reputationally. I mean, yeah. I don't really know either of them. But uh, Beauty and the Beast, Arc- Arcane and the Asshole. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think Zach is. I don't. I don't need to get into. Everybody's Zach. kind of an asshole. Everybody's got an opinion on Zach. We don't have to have one yeah. here. Um, <sighs> I, I'm looking forward to his next book. I'll say that. Um, oh yeah, me too. I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, but. Uh, but I really liked his, like, I always really enjoyed, like, in Frostbitten and Mutilated, he has two classes that are random advancement, and I really liked the way the witch in that one plays, because it does feel very arcane and mysterious, and, like, it has a cool, 
a wild feel to it, right? Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, in Shadow Dark, you know, characters are so fragile. They are, you're not planning them, you know. Um, I, it's not surprising to me that people would ultimately view them as, uh, like, usable or disposable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not surprising to me either. I think that, that there's something kind of underneath all of this that is, like, something I want to hit on. Uh, which is that advancements, I think we're, we're talking about them, like how advancement works as though that is how the incentives are built and it's not for a game. And it is, I think extrinsically your, your external incentives Mm -hmm. are whatever the game brings to the table in terms of incentives. But I think, I hope this isn't like an unknown statement, but your intrinsic motivations and, and incentives are the best incentives to follow. Like, uh, it, you only have to rely on the external ones if you're unable to kind of reach for those internal ones. And so, like, as an example with, like, work, right? Like, I go to work, and it, for me, the internal incentives of solving a hard problem or building something that looks cool far outweigh the external incentives of getting my paycheck like, despite the fact that, yeah. like, getting my paycheck obviously is it, it's a requirement, but I only lean on that when the internal incentives are, are sucking ass. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you know, at least the golden handcuffs are here. And I feel like D&D or, you know, role-playing games has that characteristic where, like, yeah, okay, like, if, you know, if I'm not being serviced for my own internal notions of what is fun about this, mm-hmm. then at least I can fall back on the fact that I am going through the process of advancing this within this context. But you also don't, like, first of all, you don't have to do that, but, like, if that's what's happening, maybe you should figure out what your internal incentives are for playing a role-playing game, because I don't think they're going to be the same as everyone else's. Yeah, I know that the way that you play characters like you you get something from it mm-hmm. that i don't think anybody else at the table gets or understands but also i think that like that's true of andrew that's true of alicia i think that's true of me like i have my own reasons and and ideas about what's fun to me about playing yeah. and i don't think it's really the same as anybody else's and i think that's a good thing yeah that's interesting so i um to, just to talk about incentive structures, did you ever watch that Netflix show, 100 Humans? No. They do a thing in it where it's like, I think they give them dried spaghetti noodles and marshmallows, and they're like, build a structure. Yeah. And the tallest structure wins. And they divide their 100 humans into two groups of 50. Okay. And one of them, they're just like, play. Like, just build the tallest structure you can. Winner gets a pat on the head. Uh, in the other one, they're like, whoever builds the tallest structure gets 50 bucks or whatever. Yeah. And the difference between the two groups is staggering because not just in terms of like the people who aren't doing it for money are having way, way more, more fun, fun yeah. and they're talking to each other and they're collaborating. You know what? It's just, it's more of a, whereas, you know, the people who are doing it for money are hunched over and they're like, you know, guarding their work and like, right. um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the people doing it for kicks built taller um, and better and better. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, 
I do think, though, that, you know, we talk a little bit about, like, the, like, lonely fun in role-playing games, and I do think that kind of, like, oh, like, next week I'm gonna hit level five, I'm gonna get Fireball, and then, I, you know, I could do this, I could do that, and, like, uh, you know, like, planning ahead or thinking about how your character is going to grow or advance, which doesn't have to be mechanical, it can be narrative, uh, but, yeah, like, fantasizing about how successful your character is going to be is uh, is just as sweet as fantasizing about how successful you were going to be. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> just as narcotic as uh, as being delusional in real life. No, uh, except it's not true. being delusional because you actually will hit level six. <laughs> like, you better hope. Yeah. Otherwise, well, if the DM kills you, you're fucked. Um, interesting. Yeah. Super interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Shoot, what was our other topic going to be about? Well, I think we wanted to talk about gatekeeping. How are we doing on time here? Like 40 minutes. Oh, time. really? Time's blowing by when you're talking yeah, about Yeah, apparently we had a lot to say about advancement. Yeah. Is, there, is there anything else that we want to talk about in terms of, of advancement? Well, I did kind of want to mention just the kind of like the edition drift, I think. Because we've been playing, we've been playing a lot of Lamentations, which is, of course, an OSRE kind of clone, uh, where, you know, like you've been, you've been playing Lanston, the complaining fighter. That's been excellent. Uh, but every time you level up, you get a little more HP and you get a plus one to hit, which is not, you know, compared to 5th edition, where it's like, ah, here's your extra attack, here's your feet, here's your fighting style, here's your maneuver dice, here's your... Sure. Um, and kind of going, like, from those two poles are very, very different from, like, I mean, in, in OSC, it's even worse than Lamentations, because it's like, you know, you basically, unless you're playing a caster, it's like... You know, what are you really? Your skills are going up a little if you're a thief or whatever. I've, I've definitely got complaints about OSC. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, the the leveling up structure is not, and, and I think not to say that I don't like OSC. I think it's a OSC game. Like, is I awesome. literally just got the you got the set. The five book set. They're super cute too. I, I just love this uh, this format. That is on the great. That's really cool. Yeah. Characters, magic, adventures, treasures, and. Monsters. That is really neat. So good job, Necrotic Gnome and Exalted uh, Exalted Funeral for yeah. creating a great series of you know great series of books. Yeah, no shade on OSC. Yeah, no no shade on the construction. Um, but, but the core rules definitely leave a little bit to be desired. In yeah. terms, especially in terms of advancement, I think. Um, um, so much junk over here. I need to... <laughs> so many great books. Thirsty sword lesbians. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what the hell was I saying? Oh, yeah, OSC. Uh, yeah, so, like, the advancement structure in those old-school games is a lot less fun, I think, on the player's side uh, than, say, something like 5th edition. And I really clearly remember when Pathfinder 1st edition came out, and it was like they had fixed that thing in 3rd edition, mm. where and 3rd edition had tons of great, like, capstone abilities and things to look forward to and had great memories of, you know building my wizard um but like at the end of the day you know there were levels where you would level up and you would get nothing uh mm -hmm. and that didn't feel great especially when your friend was playing a monk and he's like now i can hit you 17 times a turn and you're just like oh okay i guess i <laughs> i'm playing a barbarian i guess i get an extra 12 hit points uh yeah and, I, yeah uh, you're you're kind of hitting on something that i think is uh it's it's one of the problems that I think is easiest to fall into when designing a game. Yeah, is giving like, out candy. 
giving out candy to your favorite kid. Yeah. It's it's kind of easy to write, like, to just assume that this character class is fine. They're already too powerful. But this, my little favorite thing, needs treats and toys and trinkets. And you find that, like, I, I feel like players do not really care very much if the actual characters are not balanced like in the within the world like balance is kind of like whatever mm -hmm. like you, you know you have a balance of fucking role-playing game it's a it's a narrative construct there's too many things going on for anybody to really successfully balance it yeah but advancement has to feel fair it has yeah. to feel equitable yeah if it doesn't feel like everybody has the same kind of experience going through that process then I think it's much easier for people to kind of get upset, throw their hands in the air, you know, and, and walk away. Hmm. So, yeah, if you're if you are a designer, I would yeah. say be careful. There's yeah. dragons there. Well, it's kind of interesting to me because, like, you know, running Lamentations for me has been a GM's dream. It's... <laughs> it looks like a pretty smooth it, system to run. It's so nice. It's so incredible. It's just like. Monster creation is just so snappy and fun and easy and, you know, writing up a dungeon, it's like, it's the exact opposite of 5th edition. Like, the prep is just, it's a dandelion on the wind, but like, yeah. I, I do Hence kind of... Hence all the Lamentations modules we've printed. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, it's interesting, though, because I do, I do feel like on the player side, there's a little bit less buy-in on those characters. Like, uh... We just, our cleric just retired his character. He's now the town priest, uh, Barnabas, Andrew Ferguson's cleric character. He's got to level six and decided to count his chickens and retire. Um, and it's interesting to me because that's not something you get in a lot of games, but I think on, you know, Andrew's part, he was just kind of looking at it being like, well, you know, I could, you know, take another third level spell or I could play an elf. And, right. you know, we, nobody in the campaign yet has been able to speak elvish. You've been finding a whole bunch of clues in Elvish, and I think that character advancing to pick up a new skill, he wanted to pick up, he wanted to play something different. And in 5th, you know, you're playing something different every level, but in OSR-style games, like OSC, Lamentations, uh, Blue Long, you know, those mm -hmm. kind of like, it's, uh, you know, it's less candy. <laughs> there is, there's a lot less candy. I feel like the, the thing that's kept me engaged with Wanstead mm -hmm. has been finding new things to complain about sure. and new ways to complain about them. Yeah. Um, but mostly, yeah, like I, I think when, like I'm interested in finding out more about the world. Yeah. And, yeah. and so like for me, like Wanstead being this kind of curmudgeon who will kind of you know, stoically like yeah. go through kind of anything, mm -hmm. um, is like my gateway yeah. to getting into places that I probably shouldn't have gone. <laughs> well, you've also got a lead on, you saw... Uh, I saw golden treasure yeah, in a river. An army I, made of gold yeah, melting away in a river. So. Yeah, so I might, might be a little that gold money. mad, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so okay, so we've, we've kind of gone over, so yeah. we did not in any way talk about Blades how, in the Dark. Well, not Blades in the Dark, but like Power by the Apocalypse, like yeah. fit, uh, these kinds of systems, and how advancement works. Mm -hmm. But... I'm going to be honest, I've never played a yeah. Power by the Apocalypse game, so I beseech you, listener, if you have played the Power by the Apocalypse games and advancement is different somehow, 
please yell, yell at me, talk in the comments, yeah. or, you know... Or like, if you have a game, invite us. Yeah, um, sure. Like, um, I'm actually, like, I'm kind of desperate to, like, I think I'm just going to end up calling it and, like, <laughs> running either Thirsty Sword Lesbians or Blades in the Dark and not know what I'm doing and just accept that that's, that's how my life is now. So right. Sometimes you got to go in blind. Let's move on okay. from incentives to... What was the other thing we were going to talk about? We were going to talk about gatekeeping. Gatekeeping. Because the whole... This is where the actual fascists are. <laughs> yeah, right. No, this is the, the whole advancement debate. I mean, it, it went very quickly from okay. like... And by the way, I think Gold is XP is great. I just want to end on that note. I want to say Gold is XP is great. And I think it's cool. Um, I, milestone is fine. Milestone is great too. They're I, all good. Yeah, there is um, not a, a, a incentive structure you can pick as a DM that's that terrible. is bad. You should do what you want. Yeah, and fuck anybody on the internet who tells you how to play. Yeah, this is gonna shock you too. But you can use milestone even if you're a libertarian. It's, <laughs> <laughs> turns out you can do basically whatever you want. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was interesting because. You know, not just was there a bunch of you're having fun wrong rhetoric, but certain uh, grotty members of Twitter, uh, you know, we're going straight into the, like, not only are you having fun wrong, but your wrong fun is detrimental to my hobby, and you don't belong in my nerd space, and fuck off, like, uh, which... Is insanity. Um, It's insanity. I think it's insanity if you take it seriously. Yeah. And I... I'm I'm curious. I'm genuinely cur- curious if any of those people took take it seriously, yeah. or if they were clickbaiting. Ship it, yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, there's just shit posting, right? Like, and, and I think what's the most harmful part about it is that because it's impossible to tell the difference, there's a bunch of probably well-intentioned people on the internet looking at stuff and going, "Oh my god, why are these people telling me I'm a Nazi for playing?" this way that I like yeah. and and taking it personally and getting actually emotionally invested in the opinions of these strangers. Yeah. And like, it's not even their real opinion. <laughs> you got tricked into clicking and commenting, which only promotes the bullshit. the bullshit. And it's not even their real bullshit. They probably don't even care that much. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a very bad flavor. I, I, I'm super... Not into where <laughs> discourse is headed. Just yeah. whatever social media is doing to our ability to communicate with each other about this hobby, it's just like it's not great. It's gotten weird. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I uh, I think it's interesting with the whole gatekeeping thing. Um, you know, when you've got people calling each other tourists, and it's like you know, like oh, what are you even talking about? But like. I mean, if, you, if you're playing the game, you're playing the game. There's not, like, a, like, you know, it's not your ancestral homeland, you know what I'm saying? And, by the way, even if it was, fuck your ancestral homeland. No ethnostates. But, um, that's personal opinion. Uh, but, uh, it's kind of crazy to me because we were kind of talking about this a little bit last week in different words, but, like, you know, back in the day, there were gates, but there were no gatekeepers. You know, like the gates yeah. where you had to you had to read the book, which is a tall order. <laughs> In some cases, it was you had to get the book. Yeah, I remember it being for the book. Yeah, right. I remember being young, like before the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting your hands on a D and D book meant you had to be in a place that had a hobby shop. Yeah, that would have a D and D book. Yeah, 
I grew up in some boat podunk town in in Nevada. Yeah, that did not have a book a bookstore. Yeah. let alone one with D and D shit in it. Before I don't know that anybody in that town knew how to read. <laughs> yeah, before the Olympics were announced, uh, Squamish, BC, where I grew up, was it was a logging town. It was it was such it was such a small logging town that not only did we not have a, a hobby store, if you were a hippie. In Squamish, in the 90s when I grew up, and you were suspected of being anti-logging, people wouldn't serve you in stores, because there was one right. business in town, and it was the sawmill, and that right. was it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the but, world uh, has changed pretty dramatically, yeah. but I think there's lessons to be learned from what it was like yeah. well, back in those early days. It's interesting, because back in the day, you had to read the book, you had to buy the book, or find the book, you had to get over the satanic panic you know, you had to, your parents had to, you know, let you out of the house to go do it without being like, are you worshipping Mammon, Jimmy? Mm -hmm. uh, like, th there were all these hurdles to play D&D, and kind of, I think, as a result of that, there was, in my opinion, as a straight white man, <laughs> um, there was very little gatekeeping, and kind of the opposite. People were like, come in, come in, like, you know, I'll, I'll explain what the book says, like, I'll, you know, your parents, maybe if they see us, you know, like, people were we're trying to get you engaged, not just corporately, like, you know, I think now Wizards of the Coast is really trying to cast a broad net, but, like, we, the community, the players, we're, like, desperately trying to get people to play. I, um, that's a really interesting point that you said there, like, on the way to your point. Uh, women did not share that experience, I think. Yeah. Um, and as a, uh, as a Hispanic person, like, I also had some like adjacent experience that was like, oh. yeah, uh, I was not invited to play with certain kids who played with their wealthier, you know, more affluent friends. Like nice. that was okay for them. I played with my friend who lived at the trailer park and our black friend mm -hmm. because we were within the social economic class that was allowed to hang out together. That's fucked. That's crazy. Um, that's, that's how kids are. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that, uh, I, Chelsea, my wife, um, she has an RPG horror story from her teen years where she missed a session and, uh, her, like the gaming group was basically like, ah, like, well, rape Chelsea's character while she's away. Like, yeah. Ridiculous. That's like, terrible. Yeah, and and you know, good good on her for kind of being like, fuck you guys. You guys are shitty. Yeah. This game is fine. Fuck you. Mm -hmm. Like I like this. Like you know what I mean. But like, uh, but take that game and peace out. Yeah, but like it it is like, it it is really interesting to me that like, you know, I I feel like. And, and, you know, you see this now with incel culture, but, like, you know, nerd culture in the, in the 90s and the early 2000s was very, like, you know, it's, it's like the dog that bites you and then wonders why you don't feed it. It's like, why won't these girls hang out with us? It's like, well, if you examine your behavior, you might find a reason or two. <laughs> like, Something in there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so. Look around. So, yeah, I th but I think, like, your, your point is, is valid enough, right, that, like, as long as... I guess as long as you were staying in within your lane, you were probably not going to be gate kept out of the hobby. There weren't people being like, "Oh, wow. beyond yeah. the the general gatekeeping of race and class." And the, right, yeah, like there's like, already divisions among people. But like once you're within the realm of like these are this is my community. If one of them knows how to play, 
Oh, this was another thing I think that was interesting. You had to kind of be shown yeah, how to play. It's you could an oral not, tradition. Right. You could not, like, you couldn't read the book and go, I understand. Yeah. We're about to play D&D. &D. Yeah. Like, I think I've heard of one person who did that in my, like, my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, almost always it's like, you know, from master to student, down through the ages. Like, right. uh, but now that's not the case. Like, you yeah. just go on the internet and watch... Critical Role thousands, or Literally thousands of people are streaming their games. Yeah. You can watch any one of them. Which is interesting, too, because to perform D&D is different than playing. It is. And I think that affects, you know, some of the people coming into the hobby have... Uh, you know, what do they call it, the Mercer effect or whatever? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, the Matt Mercer effect, I think, like, I think it's it's strange where to have, like, expectations derived from media, first of all. If you watch television or any entertainment performance mm -hmm. and expect it to reflect anything about real life, don't, stop doing that. Yeah. That's not how entertainment works. Yeah. Entertainment media products are entirely fiction they do, or do not reflect reality. I think the uh, that season two episode of Community is probably the closest media representation to an actual game I've seen, including many actual plays. But now that's been memory hold. Yeah, uh, I mean it's got blackface in it. Yeah, so it's not even on Netflix. You can't watch. You literally can't watch it on the yeah. internet. Um, which is you could probably watch. Yeah, you can find. You can figure it out. You're I clever. think uh, you know. It's, it's a great it's episode. Together. It's a funny episode. Yeah, um, and it does come really close to what it's actually like playing yeah. D&D. It's in, it's in the vicinity. Like yeah. um, oh god, the, the second... Actually, the, the second one was just as good, I think, the, the, the yeah. sequel. It, not just as good, but it was pretty good. It, it has its moments. Yeah. I, I think the first one, the season two one, is pretty, you know, pretty classic. There's, I think every beat of that is pretty, you know... It was on point. I, Having Chevy as the the villain was the, was great. Yeah, yeah, that just I think that made it, it elevated it. I do quote that. I say a word I know in every language is something I say probably on a day every two days kind of basis. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So okay, so now like now we're in today. We we talked about yeah. the, the grand old past. Yeah, and how gatekeeping kind of didn't exist. It wasn't like a thing. Now, today, it seems like you you just trip over a gatekeeper, at, like, at, at trying to do anything. Yeah. And I, I get the motivation, I think, mm -hmm. in the same way that, like, last week we were talking about, like, communities, human communities are small. As soon as they're this big, they're not communities anymore. They're trying to become these smaller communities, and so you have to try and keep people out, like... That's just what the human animal is trying to do to ensure closeness with its... Its pack. Yeah, whatever, whatever the fuck this is supposed to try and be. And so, like, being at your table... Now, if... I think the, the, the caveat to that is, like, don't try and be at everyone's table. Yeah. You don't have to be at everyone's... Like, you don't need everyone to like you. Yeah. You don't need everyone to agree with you. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I know this may seem shy. Again, this is part of, like, yeah. the the modern problem of culture is that, like, yeah, the, the whole implement, implementation of Instagram and YouTube and Twitter is get more people to look at you, get more people to like you, get more people to follow you, and you will succeed. And that's, a, that's abusive. 
that is an insane proposition. Like, humans shouldn't be doing that. Uh, I say with perfect clarity, because I'm right and you're wrong. But, like, I think the point is, is still true. Like, for people to live in that way, it's, it's very, uh, it's sick. It's, it, it's like a disease. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, like, we're spreading the disease. It's, yeah. like, not getting better. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, yeah, I think part of it is, too, like, you know, it, these weird little culture war, you know, signifiers, like, uh, you know, that, like, I, 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 just to go back to the advancement thing, like, at the mm-hmm. point where you're, like, oh, like, your milestone advancement is communism. Like, it's just, like, like, okay, well, like, but where does that position you, you know what I mean? Like, you're kind of, you're not just staking out uh, an opinion, you're staking out an identity. Right. You know, and you're saying, like, ah, yeah, if you if you have the right politics, you will play the right games in the right way, and you will hang out with the right people, and, you know, uh, those, the Untermenschen, or, you know, whatever, like, they will be swept away by the glory of your magnificent play style, and everyone will applaud, like, yeah. you know, it's just like... I wonder how much of this, too, is a manifestation of the kind of polarization of politics that we're seeing in the United States and across the world. I think it's huge. Like, I, like, um, so, I don't know if you know, did you, did you ever read Prince of Nothing? Um, he's, like, he's does uh, reviews for, like, OSR. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I have not read him. I've, I have. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I probably should not. He's terrible. Um, and, like, the way that he introduces politics into the scene in such a way, like, the kind of, like, dog-whistling stuff he's saying, where he's like, oh, like, if you play... If you play 5e, you're, you're, you know, you're a blue-haired woman and, you know, us men with short hair are here playing first edition. You know, it's just, like, it's just so gross, like, and Sounds weird. Sounds like the Tate of... Yeah, a little, yeah. well, I mean, you know, Andrew Tate is successful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's a bridge too far. Yeah, it's... like, I mean, just, and, you know, we were saying the other day, we gotta start some internet beef with somebody. We're gonna just talk some shit about Prince of Nothing. Sure. sure. Yeah, I don't yeah. know the guy, so... Uh, me neither. But I've read a little bit of his work, and you've contributed nothing of value, sir. Your work is terrible, your curations are boring, you have no taste. I think your blog... I read it because it makes me laugh. Like, I think your opinions are dog shit. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> Good job on making him laugh. Yeah, I do. I, I do get a kick out of them occasionally. Yeah. Um I thought your review of Troika was hilarious, and they even had actually one good point in it. What was uh, the good point? That the equipment system sucks in Troika. Um, that, uh, it is kind of weird. Yeah. It's clunky. I mean, I'm working on a Troika, as you know. Uh, we're going to playtest it today. Uh, the Mega Medin. The Mega Medin. I'm working on a Troika module, and I basically had to invent a shop system uh, that y- is not the kind of thing a module should be doing, in my opinion. I wish it was in the core book. Yeah, um, no, totally. That's... One of the things we added to uh, Murder at the Motel Zoto yeah. was an emporium yeah. to buy some stuff because there's no way to buy stuff in Troika despite it being a city. Yeah. And I'm wondering if the implication is that Troika doesn't have economy. Economy? That it's like it's post capitalist. It could be. And it's just like 
like good you hunt hunter gather your shit or barter with somebody yeah. or manifest it out of your imagination. But like, they're silver pens. Right, no, those are for wiping your ass with, yeah. I guess. Like. Anyway, the worst person I know made a good point. <laughs> <laughs> the worst person you don't know. The worst person I don't know. Well, that's a big category. There's probably, I mean, you know, I, I doubt he's killed anyone. Have you killed anyone, Prince of Nothing? Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, but it's weird how people kind of fly their flag on this stuff, and it's particularly gross to me that a lot of games that I like as a, you know, weird libertarian socialist anarchist eco syndicalist you know millennial moron um like god that's a lot of tags man yeah, i don't know what my politics are i just don't like yours <laughs> i will be your politics. uh but uh i'm not very i'm apolitical i think largely i don't like really the care <laughs> i really appreciate humans that. are stupid they shouldn't do things like this um yeah i'm against community um yeah. but uh it's interesting just because like you know, I I love those OSRE games, and yeah. it's insane to me that these mouth-breathing fascist dickwads have been able to plant a little culture flag on them and be like, this is, this is our space, like, stay over there with your story games. And it's like, man, like, you know, like, what happened to us? Like, this we'll was not... believe right? Yeah. We'll pretend. Yeah, this pretend this elf dice. game was not a statement about economics or social policy in the 1970s, but now it's just far enough away that you've been able to ossify it into this cultural artifact that you can use to bludgeon your opponents with. Like, right. Well, and again, I think, like, in the 1970s, it couldn't have been. Because yeah. that didn't matter. It, at, at table. So it didn't small. matter in the kitchen. Like, and that's how big your community could be. Yeah. Was who's at the local gaming store? Who's, who am I corresponding with via snail mail? Yeah. Like, that's a huge difference to, I can't go through the day without tripping over a, you know, 500 tweet thread of vitriol about an opinion completely unrelated that then gets coded with the political stylings yeah. of whatever idiot wants to make his point we shouldn't have given everybody a megaphone yeah well i think that is you know just to kind of go back to the like the tech angle of it all like i remember when i was a kid and i said this to you a million times and i'm sorry for repeating myself but uh when i was a kid like and you know cell phones it was like oh like like even before cell phones were really a thing smartphones were really a thing right. when, like the mid 90s my grandpa was reading futurists like what's his name, Kurzweil or whatever, and they were like, in the future, you're going to have a computer in your pocket, and it'll be like carrying a library containing all of human knowledge on you at all time, and everybody's going to be so smart. And it's like, man, nobody goes to the library. Like, you know, libraries are free, and we still have trouble convincing people to take us up on them sometimes. Like, it's not a library in your pocket. It's a printing press. Like, we've given every idiot on Earth a printing press that can immediately distribute to the entire world. Like, mm -hmm. And everybody's way more interested in talking than listening. Oh, they always were. Yeah. That's not um, the same thing. <laughs> but, well, and this is, like, that's why, yeah. So, I, I think that ultimately the thing to ask or offer here is to say, like, for, the, for us now, the post-humans mm -hmm. stuck in this dystopia, mm -hmm. like, how can we not do this shit anymore yeah like we're not going to change we're not going to take away the internet nobody's going to lose their printing press but is it possible for us as a community to 
take a grain of fucking salt. Not take every stupid asshole on the internet seriously. Realize that it's a performance art. Treat it with all of the pomp and circumstance that that requires. And if you want to play along, play along. Have fun. But, like, don't... God, can we just not? Like, yeah. is, there, is there some signal? Slash S for sarcasm. I don't know. Pick a, pick a, pick a way to do it. Slash but like, P, I'm performing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, something to go, like... What you're about to see is hyperbole on purpose to get algorithm, to get views, to rile people up, to entertain even. Just even Prince of Nothing. You're getting entertainment value out of that. You're yeah. laughing at this, you know, person with bad takes. Fine. I, we do that all the time. Like, yeah. half of the United States is literally doing that to the other half of the United States every fucking day. Yeah. And, like, okay, you're going to do that for the same reasons that you binge watch, you know... Reality House of TV Cards or reality TV shows or you eat fucking deep fried Twinkies like because the thing that's bad for you is you know kind of fun like whatever but acknowledging that that's what's happening and not letting it drive your fucking cortisol through the roof or ruin your actual relationships or your actual hobby yeah I think is the the critical component mm-hmm. it's like I don't know. Um, it's interesting because, you know, on Facebook, like, I'm part of the Lamentations group there. I think you are too. Yeah. Uh, I see uh, Zach S. on there all the time being like, people People are telling lies about me. They're telling lies about Lamentations. They're, you know, people People are lying and they're bad and we have to confront them. And it's just like, yeah. man, like, this whole communication infrastructure feeds on conflict. Yeah. And we're in a we're in a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation where it's like it's like Trump during the twenty sixteen we're getting political folks, uh during the twenty sixteen election where it was like, you know, you can cover him constantly saying the most outrageous, offensive, ridiculous, stupid shit. But ultimately you're covering him. Right. Like you're like he got billions and billions of dollars of free press out of the news media because they were too stupid to you know, no, to to know to know what twenty first century media tactics are. Um, it's like when you see that stuff on Facebook where they like they're like, oh, like I'm gonna misspell a word in this just so you'll comment to be like you spelled weird wrong. Like uh, you know, like that kind of stuff is that's how we talk to each other now. And I don't know that there's a, a fix for it. Well, I, yeah, I was gonna say like I don't I don't know that they're too stupid. I think that the incentives. Mm-hmm. Advancement is yeah. wrong. <laughs> it's it's capitalism. I mean, and it's yeah. not just capitalism. It's you know power accumulation yeah. and and like attention accumulation. But like, yeah, if you're if your incentive structures are built around exactly what they are right now, which is getting attention and getting money for that attempt from that attention that you've gotten, then yeah, you're gonna have this problem. There's zero ways to get around it. Like. The incentives are at the heart of the problem. So, Gearing, you were fucking right. Incentives are bad <laughs> for your game. And I apologize for, for implying and, or doubting at all. Oh, I yeah. should have read between the lines. Yeah, shit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're... I don't think we're going to waddle our way to a better conclusion than that. I yeah. think you hit, hit the nail on the head with that one. Read, read that Gearing article, I guess. And yeah. hope. Try and change your personal incentives. I think if you can... 
personally take responsibility for how you wade through the cesspool of the internet. Yeah. And we'll try and do the same. Yeah. We will we will try and say outlandish shit and, and mark it when it's just for outlandish shit's sake. Can we? Can we do a little bounce? Yeah. I mean, oh. I kind of, we kind of do that already, right? We're kind of like, her, 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 like, ridiculous thing we say. And then, like, at the end of the day, we're just people trying to write some crap. Yeah. And play some games. Yeah. And do it for fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, we try and stay weird. We try to stay weird. And you, you should, should too. You should stay weird.